Welcome to Love Essie, the podcast. Hey everyone, it's me again. I am back and this week I want to talk to you guys about a Nalini Singh book. And no, it is not Storm Echo in case you're like, oh, bitch, how could you? I mean, I feel like you would have seen because the episode cover would show you the book, but just in case you you know it was just playing you were like not yet don't worry that's coming but that's not what I'm talking about today today I'm talking about kiss hard which is a hard play novel now if you don't read Nalini Singh you're like what in the world is a hard play novel so a hard play right is sort of like the series name that encapsulates the contemporary books that she has done in the last few years so she first did a series that was really about rock stars, about this one band. But in in the midst of that series, I believe it's a second book, um, second or third book, second book. Um, the main characters are tied to the rock group because the heroine of that book is best friends with the heroine of book one. So book one, we get the lead rock singer and his girl. And then we get his girl's best friend, and she ends up with a rugby football player. And everyone who read that book was like, he has brothers? Where are, his, where are their books? We want their books. So we got the rest of the rock group, and we loved it. And we, then we were like, but where are the books for, Daniel, for, for, for Gabriel's brothers? Like, we got Gabriel, and he was amazing. We would now like his brothers. And so Nalini was like, okay, fine. Um, and then proceeds to give us the next brother, followed by, she kind of did the same thing. The, the book after the, the, the second brother in the series isn't one of the brothers, it's actually the best friend of the heroine of book one. So very much, very same concept, which I don't care because they were all so fucking good. So this book, Kiss Hard is the last book, I guess, in the sense that this is the youngest uh, brother. So it's a total of four brothers, and this is the youngest brother's book. Um, So our two main characters are Katie River and Daniel, aka Danny, is Sarah. And I think it's really, I love this book. I mean, again, I, disclaimer, I'm an Alini Singh stan. I enjoy everything she writes. Have I read her thrillers yet? No, because I'm a motherfucking crybaby and a scaredy cat. I'm going to do it at some point. I promise you. I'm just, I'm scared. I'm not going to lie. I'm scared. It is what it is. I don't like things that are thrilling and slightly scary. I hide from them. Okay, so I've read everything else, though. I've read everything else. (laughs) Just thrillers and I, we have to get to a place where I feel like emotionally prepped and ready for that and I'm not quite there yet it's coming but I'm not quite there yet but this book right Katie and Danny are the youngest of their siblings so Katie's old here's where it's I feel like this book both main characters are so intricately tied to their families and I'm going to explain why so Katie and you might be like that's a little spoiler girl like if you read the blurb like whatever um Katie's older sister, Issa, is married to Sailor, Danny's older brother, which is the book we get, the first book in the hard play series, which is Cherish Heart, right? So Katie and Danny have been in each other's lives for as long as their older siblings have been together, right? And their older siblings are an established couple. They have children together. So they, I believe when they first meet, when their siblings get together, they're teenagers, Right. So at this point in the book, uh, Danny's about to turn 25. I think Katie's like right there with him, maybe a year younger or whatever. Um, Danny, right, is the youngest Sarah brother. And he, you know, he's got three older brothers, Gabriel, who's, you know, we got Gabriel's book. We got Sailor's book. We got Jacob's book. This is now his book. Um, And so. I I was obviously going to be excited for this book regardless of, you know, what it was about because it, we get to see these two characters, which we've seen them bicker in previous books. So we, 
it's not like these two characters come on the page in this book and we've never seen or heard of them. They have been present in family scenes throughout the series. So we know them or we know of them. We we've been around them. So all of a sudden we're sort of coming into all of a sudden the focus is now on them, right? The focus has always kind of been on their other family members, but now the focus is on them. Um, And I think what I really, really enjoyed about this book is the ways in which Nalini was like, I'm going to look at, she was like, I'm going to cover some pretty like big topics, but I'm going to come at them from slightly different and unexpected angles, right? Um, I really, really appreciated that. Um, I also really liked this pairing. I think that when you are the youngest sibling, and I'm the oldest sibling, so I don't, I don't know for from experience, but I feel like as a younger sibling, you probably sometimes have to deal with finding your place in family, and also the inadvertent compare comparison of yourself and your siblings and where you are in life and where they were at the same time or where they are now. And I'm not saying that like, oh, you know, Danny's older brothers are making him feel kind of way. But when you, in Danny's case, he's got four, sorry, three successful older brothers, right? So what does that mean for him? How does that impact him? How does that affect how he views himself and what he, how he feels about himself and his goals and his achievements and also, you know, where he's fallen short. Um, I thought it was really, really interesting to, like, consider that. Um, and I really like that we were seeing a male main character that is grappling with that. Because sometimes I think that that is maybe something that we see more with a female main character who's got, like, older, more successful sisters, right? And feels like, but I've, I really appreciated that we got to see this from sort of the male uh, main character point of view. Um, this book, I think also, because it has, okay, if you're thinking about tropes, um, it's got like the fake dating kind of, um, but I think it's done really, really well because I want to say that often in contemporary romance specifically, Fake dating is done for, sometimes I feel like the reason it's done is kind of like, oh, okay, like I've seen the scenario before, but let me see how it plays out, which is like, I'm fake dating some, or not I'm, the character's fake dating someone because they want to make a parent happy or parents happy or family members happy, or they want to see be seen as stable and, you know, ready to take the next step and lead a company or whatever, or, you know, get money. Um, Or if it's not one of those, like, I want to be, I want to come off as like someone who's grounded and settled and deserves to be the CEO or whatever. It's, I have an ex, maybe they're now with a sibling of mine or a cousin of mine, or I don't know, it's something very like, oh no, my ex's wedding, but something along those lines. It's like, I want to prove to everyone and this ex that I'm over them. And that's why I need to bring someone with me to whatever major event is happening to prove that like, I, you know, this character is not like still hung up on the ex. That's not what Nalini does in this book, right? There is fake dating. But there are the reasons given I feel like I don't see as often. And, okay, they do involve money. And I'm not going to go into the detail in this part of what they, of the reasons. Because this is a new enough book that I really don't want to, like, accidentally spoil too much of it. For those of you who haven't read it. If this book had come out years ago, I'd be like, ah, those titties, bitches. But, like, nah, it literally just came out a few months ago. So, I just really liked the the reasons behind it like yes it involved money but it was a very sort of different and kind of refreshing take um so I was like oh okay all right I'm behind this um because I I mean 
I don't necessarily pick books based on a trope. I mean, if you tell me a book has one bed in it, I'm more inclined to read the blurb and probably get it, um, whether it's from the library or whatever. But I'm not always specifically like, I have to have this trope. I think I, I don't I don't really think of it like that. I'm just like, oh, I'm reading. And then after I've been reading, I'm like, oh, it had these tropes. But at the beginning, I'm not like consciously searching out books specifically based on trope, I guess is what I'm saying. But I really liked the way in which Nalini played on this trope that I feel like the way in which it played out, I haven't really seen done before. And so it made this this like fake dating trope feel fresh and new. I'm kind of different. I really appreciated that. Um, I will say that this book does deal with some pretty big topics that can be, that can be heavy, right? There is, um, and I'm going to say what they are, because if you're like, these are, these are like, um, deal breakers for you, then I'd rather you know that up front and not be like, I still didn't say shit, and I read this book, and then I was blindsided by, um, there is a character who gets roofied, and has to deal with, you know, the ramifications of that, and they are roofied, and not, essentially, assault ends with being roofied, there is nothing after that, but that, in and of its own, is huge, um, there's parental neglect, um, and, if you've read the series and you know to expect that because we've already seen, you know, this parent be neglectful in a previous book with, you know, Issa, right? Um, so I wasn't surprised about one of the parents, but the other parent having not known anything about them because in a scene, this, the other parent in other books, I was like, oh, and it, Again, I do think that she handled it in a way that I was like, this is really interesting um, because we are, sorry, I probably should have just been like, the, the the character that is affected by the parental neglect is Katie. So it is, it is an important part of the story. This isn't something that happens to a secondary or tertiary character. This is happening to the main character. Um, and it's more parental neglect that happened when she was younger, right, because she's now an adult, and so her relationship with her father is different, um, but I, I, I appreciated how it was handled, I thought it was handled really well, um, and it added, it, knowing what Katie goes through as a child really allows you to understand her, um, hesitancy as an, as an adult, when it comes to romantic relationships. Um, so I was kind of like, okay, that is, that is really like, I'm, I'm glad that it was there because I do think that without that, I might've been like, why is this girl so annoying? <laughs> but she was annoying at times for very good reason. So it was kind of like, mm. but I also got it. The other thing is, um, Katie is a double amputee. She does not have both of her legs. She wears prosthetics. And she's also an athlete. So Dana's an athlete, Katie's an athlete. And she has had to navigate life without having legs from, I want to say, I have to double check, but I'm pretty sure it's just before teenagehood that she is in the car accident where she loses her lower limbs um and so has to grow has to deal with the growing up of having to like have your body grow and change and then having to deal with prosthetics and what that means um and I I'm trying to think I don't are there bromance novels with people with prosthetics or who are amputee? Of course. Um, I'm, I can't say the last time I read one, actually. Um, I'd have to really, like, think about it. And in some cases, it's, like, a paranormal. So then maybe in that world, it's handled differently or, you know, the, the ways in which a character 
compensates is different, but this is contemporary. This is set in our modern day and time. Cell phones exist, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I thought it was really interesting to see. Um, because I also think that one of the really cool things about this book, this isn't a book about, oh, the poor amputee girl gets finally gets her man. It isn't that either. Katie isn't this like sad little sack of a woman who doesn't have her lower limbs and, you know, no, she is a full, robust, complex individual. And one of, you know, one of her facets or characteristics or whatever. So she's a double amputee, but that's not, that is not her entire identity. Um, and I think that sometimes in romance it's like oh this damsel in distress gets sort of amplified if the, the female main character is also an amputee of some sort and that isn't really what we see here which I really appreciate because I don't think that that it isn't to say that there can't be a character who is just like going through a lot in her life and is in amputee, and in some ways needs to be rescued. Um, but I think that, you know, I guess the idea is, I guess for me, the question would be, like, is she being rescued from, like, external factors? Like, you've been kidnapped! Or is she being rescued from, like, internal factors? Like, she thought she was ugly until this man loved her. Like, hmm, couldn't she have come to that realization on her own without without him? Um, or, I, I don't know, that can get very slippery, slopey, uh, someone got to save the amputee. We don't have that in this book, which I personally really, really, really appreciate. Um, and so this book, if so yeah, if you like fake dating, sort of frenemies, like people, if you like really good banter, this book has it. I just really, really enjoyed this book. Is there more I can talk about without really going into spoilers? No, so I'm probably going to pause here you know, and then come back and I was just going to be spoiler city because I feel like any more information is just really going to get into the book. And again, because this is a newer book, um, I don't want to like ruin it for anybody who hasn't read it yet, but was like, but I want to listen to the episode. So I'm going to pause here and I'm going to come back. And when I come back, I'm spoiling Kiss Hard. So again, if you aren't a fan of spoilers, skip to the gratitude attitude section after, okay? Um, because I'm, yeah, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to ruin your life, which is why I'm letting you know. So later you can't be like, I had no idea. She's going to spoil it. Yes, you did. Cause I told you more than once. I'll be back. Okay, everyone, it's time for spoilers for Kiss Hard by Nalini Singh. Again, Spoilers. For Kiss Hard by Nalini Singh. If you've not yet read it, you don't want to be spoiled. I'm going to need you to pause and fast forward here. Pause and fast forward here, okay? If you've read it or you love spoilers, you've come to the right place. You've come to the right place. So Katie, Danny, I thought they were so adorable, right? Katie, Katie is a character that I think if she had been handled incorrectly I would have hated um and I would have hated her if someone else had written her but Nalini wrote her and so I don't hate her because Nalini handled her with such deftness okay Katie is this character she's a double amputee her father um okay Clive ain't shit that prologue is kind of brutal to read because as I was reading it, I imagined how I would have felt at that age, being worried about my father, who couldn't even be bothered to text or call me to let me know that he wasn't, like, dead. Incandescent with rage, right? But also feeling guilty about being incandescent with rage. Um, so, both Katie and Iso, in I feel like in both of these characters, we get to see, like, what happens when, you know, both of your parents are kind of just, like, not great? And the thing is, like, Katie needs his mother, Jacqueline. Like, the woman is rich. So she has money. And I think oftentimes people are like, money is what matters when you have children. No, time and attention, love and caring and respect matters more than any money. 
Granted, in Katie's case, right, her mother having that much money means that Katie's quality of life is at a level that many other double IVTs could never achieve unless their parents were also, you know, stupid rich. But that does not make up for the literal emotional neglect. That does not make up for that, right? And what's I think what's also fascinating is that Nalini's like, her father ain't shit. But there are glimmers of the man he could be, right? You know, that dreaded potential. Because when she is hospitalized, he's there by her bedside, right? Every single day. And it's kind of like, couldn't he have maintained that, that presence for his child always instead of just, on one hand, it is amazing that in such a traumatic moment, he was there. Because you can also look at, you know, the fact that he's never there and is always kind of just like blowing her off as like he would have blown her off for always. Whereas in instead, it's like this one moment of time where he was actually dependable. And then, of course, on either side of that in the past and in present day, it isn't the case. And so Katie, I think, you know, because she had all that to grapple, I think at times when she was so hesitant to allow what was happening between her and Danny to to really, like, become important and matter, as much as I wanted to be like, girl, clearly this is this is not what you, you're saying it is, and it's a real thing, I could understand. And because we had gotten all this information and this backstory, we could very much understand why she was so like, this is, this is not gonna last. Because she just hadn't seen that. No, that's not true. She had seen it, but I think it has to do something to you when the two people that society tells you are supposed to make you their number one priority don't then if these two people who are supposed to do it don't then why would anybody right um then we've got danny right danny's grown up unlike his older his two older brothers right grew up in uh, with an unstable situation their uh birth father their actual father was garbage so i think that they uh in many ways can relate to katie because similar situation. That's not Danny's case. Danny's got an incredible mother, an incredible father. He's got three incredible o- older siblings. So you might be like, well, Danny shouldn't have no problems. But again, Nalina's like, true, but that's not that's not how humans work. So what happens to you and what do you grapple with when everyone in your life is successful, right? How do you measure up? How do you look at yourself and feel about yourself by when these are the situations in which, you know, these are the circumstances around, you know, you, because I had mentioned this in the first part. I feel like we've seen this. I don't measure up to my older, most successful siblings with female main characters who have older sisters. I feel like I don't see it as often. Well, that's not mm, in contemporary romance. I don't see it as often. Do I read that much contemporary romance? No, so maybe I need to read more. Um, but I also think it's, I don't often see, or maybe I don't read enough of series contemporary romance where the series is built on a bunch of brothers or a bunch of cousins. I feel like I've sometimes seen glimpses of this in historical romance series that it's like seven brothers or nine cousins um, and the younger generation or the youngest of the group is kind of like having to grapple with that, right? Like, you're the last of this group of people who are all successful and who at this point all have their shit together. It doesn't mean that they always did. There were probably times when they didn't. You might have even seen that. But you would have been a child. Now you're an adult. Now you're worried about maybe you can't measure up. Maybe you are going to be like the failure, the disappointment, and all that that entails. I actually really liked seeing this happen. Like, not 
obviously I didn't want Danny to feel that way, but I appreciated that Delaney was like, even when, right, you've, you know, on paper, Danny's got great parents, great support system, that doesn't mean that, you know, there aren't issues, right? And then there's the big, the I feel like the very, aside from the parental, parental neglect, the other really big topic is the fact that Danny gets roofied, right? And what I, what really stuck with me specifically about Danny getting roofied at a nightclub while out with his friends and Katie and her friends are at the same nightclub, I feel like this was multi-layered in the sense, and you're going, what is multi-layered? It's the case, multi-layered. The way in which this entire, like, aspect of the book plays out, we get to see different things happening at once, right? One of the, one of the first thing, Katie, the book basically, after we get past that brutal prologue, and I mean brutal emotionally, like, there's no violence, guys, just, like, it hurts, um, Katie immediately notices that something's off with Danny, and to me, my first thought was, like, considering he's your friend of me, you pay real close attention to this man, right? So we are, Nalini's like, let me show you their connection and how vital it is for both of them, even before either one of them has even a glimmer of a thought of a hope about an actual relationship, right? Like the fact that they are so in tune with each other, that she can see him looking like he's stumbling at a nightclub and not assume that he's just like getting drunk, but immediately being like, that's not normal behavior for Danny. And these are the reasons why and what is going on and getting up close to him and being like, he looks panicked and immediately knowing that she needs to protect him, right? She is talking about like, this man is her, you know, friend of me, like they just banter, but the level of care that that denotes, and we get to see that right away, right? So on the romance side of things, we are immediately being shown these two characters have a chemistry and a connection even before either one of them has considered the fact that they could be with each other romantically. Then we've got, you know, the other side of this um, is the fact that he is roofied, right? Being roofied that level of violation, right? Um, I think that there are often public campaigns about how it can happen to anyone. And yet often people think that it can only happen to, and I'm going to say air quotes, irresponsible women. And we could even extrapolate that to irresponsible uh, feminine presenting people. Uh, There is this incorrect idea that big masculine men won't get roofied. Why not? I mean, I don't think the people who are out here roofing others are going, "Mm, he looks big and beefy. Because again, what are the reasons that that person is doing this? Again, the assumption is usually, oh, it's a sexual thing, it's a man doing it to get in a woman's pants. Here's the thing, there are sick people out there, so it might, and again, it's not, it's about power, right? It's about changing the balance of power. And unfortunately, I can see people thinking that, or getting off on the idea of Taking men that are strong, that are powerful, like Danny. Oh, I fully just realized I have not once mentioned that he's a rugby player like his oldest brother and his other brother. Actually, all of them play rugby, but professionally, three out of the four play rugby. The oldest no longer does because of an injury. He is the youngest member of the national team. Like, we're talking. So now I'm realizing I didn't mention that, but that's an important layer to this sort of scenario because we're, the man, he is roofied, right? And he is a 
athlete at the prime of his, you know, game of his life. He is, he is what most people would look at and be like, nothing like this could ever happen to him. It only happens to weaker, smaller individuals, right? And instead, Nalini's like, no, this can happen to anyone. Um, the way it's, it ends up playing out in the book, there is someone who's doing this specifically at this club, specifically to men. Which, which is why I'm, I'm going with the whole, this is about the power, right? This is about power. This is about making these men feel powerless, helpless, right? And everything that that, you know, entails. And when we focus on roofing happens only to women, right, then we don't, when it does happen, oh man, there are no tools to, to give to him to navigate that process. Um, in this book, immediately, like, his older brother's like, you need to go to, to therapy. And he's kind of like, what? No, I don't want to. And he's like, you need to, because you're angry. Logically so. You've been violated, right? You know, when it first happens, he's like, he doesn't know who's done it. And he was out with friends. So, immediately calls into question, could it have been someone he called friend, which that's, you know, such a difficult thing to deal with, right? As the book progresses, we find out that, like, no, this is something that's been happening um, to men, specifically with the kind of drugs, because it wasn't a roofie the way we typically think of it. Um, apparently, it was like a downer cut with something else. Um, but it's basically to, like, incapacitate men, Um and the police, like, because he files a police report, the police come and they're like, you, you know, him filing a police report means that they will hopefully be able to figure out who it was because they're hoping that maybe whoever was caught on camera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so I, because Nalini could have easily written this, like, Katie gets refeed, right? And Danny saves her, right? Instead, Nalini was like, well, what if it's Danny that gets refeed? And Katie saves him from, you know, anybody realizing what's going on and making sure he's seen by a doctor and that it's not, it doesn't turn into this whole thing because they're both um, pro athletes and really well known in, in, in New Zealand. And I think that by doing it like that, she makes it very clear. This is about power. And I think when it happens to women, People ignore the fact that it's about power sometimes and focus on, well, maybe she shouldn't have been out with those friends or she should have watched what she was drinking. There are all these excuses given, right? Um, Because the idea is that, like, you were just being irresponsible and you let this happen and how could you and et cetera, et cetera. And so I really... I really appreciate, probably because I was like a woman, really appreciate that she was like, you know, we're going to, we're, we're going to kind of flip this. Cause I'm trying to think, I don't think I've read a book where a guy gets roofied or gets like slipped to drugs at a nightclub. Um, and then what happens? I, you know, I, I just, I haven't seen it. I'm not saying it's not out there. And if it's out there and you think it's a good romance, let me know, but I haven't seen it. Um, and so I really, I really enjoyed how she handled that because I think that we get to see how that experience can be handled in a way that can end up not completely destroying the individual, right? Because Danny does have such a strong support system that is like, these are the steps that you should take for you so that you are going to be okay and it's go file a police report let your you know the team the rugby team he's on know and speak to someone because all of these things are going to allow you to feel in control especially now that you've just gone through a situation where you were completely where everything happened completely out of your control and there was nothing you could have done to change that right um so I was just like okay yes um and I think one of the other things that I also saw came across really clearly especially right at this beginning when 
Katie's helping Danny. These are two characters that are are genuinely good people, and they are genuine in their care of the people that matter to them. Um, and I think one of the things that to me seemed kind of like in my face was Danny and Katie are two characters who genuinely made bicker and banter back and forth, but they care about each other. They see each other as important people to be protected no matter what, right? And I think that both of them have convinced themselves that it's about family, that that's the reason why, because Danny's her sister's brother-in-law, right? And in Danny's case, it's like it's his brother's sister-in-law, and they've grown up together to a certain extent because their older siblings got together when they were in their teens, etc. And I think, I also think because they're under that impression, it does take them a minute to, like, switch gears and realize that potentially the fact that they are so in tune with each other and banter and go back and forth with each other and and are just so playful and joyful and witty and also like nitpicky with each other is because it they because I think what we get to see is that they feel safe with each other now as things start to develop romantically I think what really throws Katie off is that she's terrified of the fact that she in some ways does feel safe because in her mind romantic situations aren't safe period right because again it's really hard for her character to believe that anyone would choose her when like her mom and dad didn't really choose her as a kid right and you know her dad continues to kind of be a pain in my ass um but watching their, them get together, I was just like, to me, that is, I mean, again, I'm a stan, right? So, can't be that objective, but I think it's it's really well written. And there's just, like, some really nice moments between the two of them. And we get to see all of that, right? We get to see, you know, how that works. And I think that, um, so then, sorry, because I was looking at some of, like, um, the, the, the things I highlighted. At one point, Katie realizes that, you know, like, Danny is uh, someone with, with a, he has such a generous heart. And I think she is constantly terrified that she's not going to be able to, be enough for him, be open enough, be generous enough. What I think is interesting is that I think she is. I just think she she's convinced herself that she can't be that person with him. But I think she's always been that person with him, that the person she is with him has felt safe enough with him that she's not, you know, that she is snarky with him, that she does like pull pranks on him and and, you know, isn't just, like, constantly on good behavior around him, right? Um, And so, I don't know. I just, I really, really enjoyed reading about them. Oh, I totally forgot. So the fake dating thing, right? As I mentioned earlier, fake dating is usually, like, you know, whatever. In this case, so because there's pictures of them at the club sort of, like, really close, you know, really close together, like, almost hugged up, but we know as readers that, like, that's happening because she's trying to make sure that he doesn't fall because he has been, you know, he's got some weird drugs in his system. And so she's all like, this ain't real, we're just gonna, but her publicist is kind of like, ooh, girl, like, if it's a one-night stand, people are gonna cast you as a villain. At first, she's kind of like, that's crazy, but the more she thinks about it, and I I remember reading that part and be like, oh, yeah, that is kind of crazy. Like, when you have a situation where you have two celebrities or one of them, like, if the guy's considered, like, the darling and you know things don't work out usually the woman is cast as the villain um and he's just like oh poor heartbroken man 
So she's worried she's going to lose sponsorships, which on one hand, it's like, baby girl, you come from money. Why would that matter? But what is immediately explained is she uses the money from sponsorships to, you know, help fund like research on prosthetics for people who don't have money, for people who, you know, don't have the level of wealth that her mother has. Um, she like has a camp that she funds for like amputee kids and she funds it fully herself. So it's one of those weird moments where you're kind of like, girl, like, why would you care about losing sponsorship? And then you read and you're like, oh, right. And because she wants to do this herself, she doesn't want to use her mother's money because yeah, like money usually means strings attached. So they decide that they're going to do this fake dating thing for a little while longer. And I think we get a, a, this is an early example of Danny being generous. Of course he knows that this matters to her. But instead of being like, well, let's do this because it helps you. He's like, well, this could also help me because I go to everything solo dolo and I'm starting to look like the weirdo that can't come in. And I can't just bring somebody as a date now because I never bring anybody. So everyone would read too much into it. So it's like, oh, okay, we're going to make this happen. Now, in many books fake date that have fake dating, this couple decides to do this and no one knows. They both from the jump are like, well, we got to tell our family members and like these three other people because we're not they're, we're not going to get away with lying to them. That's dumb. And I I don't remember when there was I this was probably a few years ago. Um, I remember seeing I think it was a Twitter conversation that was talking about like a lot of people didn't like contemporary fake dating in the sense that or or it's especially contemporary fake dating. Um, because it was like, well, so these two people are going to fall in love and, like, never tell anybody in their lives that the entire beginning premise of their, like, relationship wasn't, like, like was fake. Like, they weren't actually together. Um, and I go back and forth with that. Sometimes I'm like, if nobody need to know, nobody need to know. But sometimes I do get, like, wow, you just lied to everybody in your family, including your grandmama, and you're just not going be honest about that I mean you end up together so okay but in this book they were both like yeah that's not gonna work so let's just tell everybody and they have enough faith and trust in their support system their their loved ones that they know that they can do that and no one's gonna rat them out to the media right I think uh Katie's mom is just like yeah this actually will help both the brands like she's coming at it from an economic standpoint but no no one in their family is like this is wrong. You shouldn't do this. They're aware that both of these, these these two young people are doing this for very valid reasons. And that sometimes you kind of have to game the system a little. And that is okay. Because, and I think the reason why everyone is accepting it is okay is because they were honest about it. They didn't try to hide it. And then everyone found out. And then everyone has hurt feelings because they found out the truth. And there is none of that. We get to bypass that whole dramatic moment of, oh, you guys weren't together. You were making, you were lying to the family this whole time because immediately that is quashed from the beginning. They're very much like, yeah, so we're just going to play this out for about six months for PR and then, you know, continue to be, you know, the same people we've always been. Of course, the proximity right? Because, oh, there's a moment that, like, I highlighted because uh, I felt like Nalini was, like, kind of like, oh, this is tongue-in-cheek. Um, there's a moment where, like, Katie is, like, this is very, like, I think they have it, they're, they're, they're still trying to decide if they're going to do this fake date. I think they've just decided that they're going to do the fake dating thing, um, and I don't remember if they've already told, uh, no, they haven't yet told their parents, uh, that they're gonna do it I think they're trying to figure it out and Katie's all like I think I'm weirdly attracted to this man this is weird and she goes but then she has um so I'm gonna read it Katie's heart thumped as he walked toward her she told herself it was just it was just a thing of circumstance after all they were literally living a romance novel snowed in just the two of them with him making delicious baked goods She'd have to be superhuman to resist. And I remember reading that and laughing because that felt so like, um, almost like if it would have been a TV show, like breaking that fourth wall, because it's like, 
she is talking about literally living a romance novel as we're obviously reading her character in a romance novel. So I'm like, um, I'm like, this is a funny and I love it. Um, because yeah, like they, there are moments, right. That feel very like romance novel, like, right. And that's one of those, like they're snowed in and he's baking because Danny's, big baker and he's excited about baking also really interesting he doesn't want to like he doesn't share that with the public but it also makes sense like because he's a public figure in this you know because of his sport and his role there are parts of himself that he obviously isn't interested in sharing with the world or he isn't ready to or he feels vulnerable about sharing right but he is so comfortable with Katie and I feel like this is once again showing us how safe they feel with each other that she's well aware of his baking and doesn't like you know she's never posted pictures of him baking like because they are aware of how much they are each other's safe space on a subconscious level I think that through the novel they start to realize that consciously but when we begin this book I think they are unaware that subconsciously they view each other as safe spaces and they chalk it up to we're family but it's more than that um so yeah fully 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 enjoyed this book um and just as usual with um romance novels that I enjoyed of course, I wanted to keep going, but, like, that's illogical. That's not how the world works. And then I was kind of like, could we get books about his other teammates? Because then we can just, like, like do a spin-off from this. And it's, like, Jake, it's, you know, Danny's teammates. Maybe some of Jacob's teammates because, uh, you know, they both are on the national team. Like, that would be delightful. I would love... Um, if Nalini Singh wants, you know, a, an idea and cares about what I have to say, um, other rugby players that are maybe, you know, teammates with Jacob and Danny and uh, their stories, I'm just saying, I would, uh, I would be all over that. I would be all over it um, because, yeah, she does. She writes it real well. That's all I'm saying. Just. Just putting that out there, putting it into the universe, and maybe the universe will, you know, reward us with magic. Um, so yeah, I think that's everything I have to say about this book. I mean, I didn't really want to go into it. Like, I just, you know, the dad sucked. I'm so sorry. He he sucked. Clive sucked. I was not a fan of him. Um, so boo. Um, but I also like really, really enjoyed this book. Really enjoyed seeing Danny and Katie um, come together, and I think you guys will enjoy it, too. Definitely think you should read this if you haven't already. If you have, let me know, like, what were your favorite parts? Um, And, you know, what, you know, what what spinoff you would want? Like, do you want a spinoff of, ooh, we could also do a spinoff with Katie's friends. Katie had a group of friends, right? What's happening with them? Does, you know, does her best friend find someone? Oh, no, technically her best friend already has someone. But that's okay because, so, sorry, you're probably going, what? I would be okay with going back into the past to get the story of Katie's best friend and her man because that's what Nalini did to give Sailor and Issa's story. Because in... Gabriel and Charlotte's book, right? Sailor and Issa are already together. Like Gabriel's the oldest, but he basically when we meet Gabriel, which is when you know because Charlotte meets him, Sailor and Issa have been together, and then we get Gabriel's story. So when we get Sailor's story, we basically go back in time to get Sailor and Issa's story. Then we basically forward again to the present to get Jacob and Juliet's story. And then we keep going in the present to get Danny and Katie. So in Katie's best friend's case, I would be fine with going back in time to find out how her romance happened. 
Um, and then we could like fast forward uh, back into the present and see her other friend group. I, you know, I'm just out here having having thoughts about romance novels because it's it's what I do best, guys. It's what I do best. All right, so that's all I have to say for Kiss Hard by Nalini Singh. Get that book if you don't have it. If you have it, read it. If you've already read it, let me know what spinoff you want. All right, I will be back with Gratitude Attitude. So it's time for Gratitude Attitude, Gratitude Latitude. I'm using both terms because why? Because I can, guys. So what am I grateful for? I was going to say this week, but the last episode was out three days ago. It doesn't matter. A lot has happened in that time. And I'm grateful for all of it. Um, Big one. I got to go to the Met, um, because I live in New York, with a friend to see the Costume Institute's um, two exhibits, the Lexicon of Fashion and the Anthology of Fashion. If you can get to New York City to see both of these, I suggest you do. Unfortunately, if you're from out of state, they have raised their prices to $30 for an adult, which is kind of asinine. Um, But if you are from the New York area, you can prove New York residency. And I believe New York or New Jersey students or whatever, you can just do the pay uh, what you want. Um, When my friend and I went, we both paid $10. The young men next to us paid a dollar. And honestly, I will say this. Yes, the pandemic has hit everybody hard, but I feel like museums, especially museums as large as the Met, can just be like, Vogue, we need more money. JP Morgan Chase Bank, we need more money. Wells Fargo, we, you know, money. Like, I feel like instead of asking us people for money, they can just like hit up corporations. But anyway, let me not go down that road. What I will say is, I'm so, so grateful that I got to go. So, the friend that I went with, she went to school, uh, like, she took art in college or whatever. So, she was like, it was really fun to go because she was so knowledgeable about stuff. Like, I, I was never a big museum person before I moved to New York. I remember the year I the year, I moved in May of 2010. The following year was the Alexander McQueen exhibit. And I had never, I think I'd been to the museum once in Ontario, in Toronto. And so, but Alexander McQueen. And I think he had just passed. So I was like, I, I like, I'm never going to own, oh, either he had just passed or he passed right after. Either way, I was like, I'm never going to have the money to own an Alexander McQueen piece. So I need to go see them. And after that, I was hooked. I love to see clothing. Um, anytime there are major clothing exhibits in museums, I want to go. I don't always make it, but I always want to go. Paintings, okay, whatever. Um, for me, the Met is when I go to see whatever the Costume Institute has put on. And then they have these period rooms, which are incredible. So Lexicon of Fashion, right, was really like this conversation about fashion. I thought it was really, there's one section that uh, starts with precociousness and ends with naivete. And like each word has like a different outfit. And it's like, we, uh, precociousness starts off with like a baby doll that's in like glittery or it's got sequins on it. And by the time you get to naivete, you're in like a neon hot pink like gingham outfit that once I think it's like six outfits six or seven outfits is incredible the progression it is incredible it is fucking I was just like ah, ah, like the whole time like out of this world um so I really enjoyed it the anthology of fashion is like history right and so the lexicon is in the Costume Institute area. The anthology is in the American wing. And so they really created a story using, you know, the period rooms. Like, there's a Frank Lloyd Wright room that is set up by, like, Martin Scorsese with, like, a bunch of, like, mannequins in, like, gowns and whatever. And stunning. So every single... There's also another room... It's a round room, and there's, like, on the walls, it's, like, the vista of Versailles, but, like, in the past, and then all of the mannequins are in, like, fighting, like, fighting positions, and the background music is, like, like, it sounds like a sword battle happening. 
so, 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 so well done. I am so, I'm so grateful that I got to go. And I'm also so grateful that like my friend could come with me and we could go and we could check it out. And like, she could get, you know, like, because she went to school for art, she could give like insight because I, I didn't go to school for that stuff. Guys, I went to school for writing. Like I can tell you like what I like about a piece based on like feelings. She could talk about like brushstrokes, right? Like, me no no me no no about that but it was it was really really it was a wonderful Saturday afternoon and we were talking about how sometimes when you live in New York City you get easily bogged down in the day-to-day right you gotta work you gotta pay your bills and because a lot of tourists come here sometimes you don't want to do stuff that's happening in the city because you it's gonna be a lot of people or you're tired or or whatever um but being able to do that, it was like you got to see the city in a different light all over again. Um, and we were both talking about how we should be taking advantage of the fact that we do live here. We do get access to some like incredible moments. There was also um, near one of the sculpture areas, there was like a, a, a cafe area that had like five musicians just playing music. Like obviously the museum had set that up, but like these are the little things that I think that when you live in New York, you get to stumble across and you're just like, and I think anytime, obviously I'm speaking about New York, but whatever city you live in, try and go out and find the little hidden gems or the things that, you know, just happen and, you know, basically try and be a tourist in your own city. I know it sounds, and when I say be a tourist, don't be that asshole that stops in the middle of the street to take pictures of something like ain't nobody around you. But look at things from that sort of, I haven't been here before kind of eye and see what you see, right? See what jumps out at you um, when you're looking at it, like what, what else might be present other than the, you know, the usual. So that, that was really, really, really nice. Second thing I'm grateful for, a long weekend. Listen, I really think that as a society, we need to transition to four-day work weeks and three-day weekends because having three days meant that I got to rest, that I got to hang out with friends. So I, I had two days, Saturday and Sunday. Oh, wait, actually, me and her, we went to the museum. No, we went Saturday. Sorry. Like, what day did we go? Having Saturday and Sunday, I got to hang out with friends on Saturday and on Sunday. And then Monday, I got to, like, just chill and hang out on my own and have a me day and like, you know, do what I need to do for me. And whenever I have to go back to two day weekends, I'm like, what is this garbage? Like, I really think we just need to transition um, to three day weekends because I'm always so grateful for them when we have them because it just makes a difference. Like it makes a huge, huge difference. Um, and then the third thing that I'm grateful for, I had something and then I forgot and I didn't write it down as usual, like a dumb dumb. And now I'm like, oh, wait, no, I remember. So um, I'm someone who I probably because I'm a Capricorn believe in having an external battery so that if I'm out and about a really long day, like my phone doesn't die. Like the idea that I could be out in public and my phone would die sounds like no it's just a no like I don't like even back when cell phones were first introduced like find an outlet charge up right but now in 2022 like you don't have to find an outlet because there are power banks anyway I say all this to say because I was in TJ Maxx with my friend she needed to get some shapewear and we're in line to pay because I found you know I found a new underwear I was like yeah and I see, um, so the same brand that I got my phone case and Apple Watch band from had a power bank. And I was like, it was cute, it was small, it was lilac colored. I was like, I've been looking for a new power bank. I have one that I got from B&H. I want to say like 2015-ish, maybe 2016. So it's, it's not a, it's a little old. And it still works, but it's a chunky guy. Like it was a fat little fucker. Um, it does have two ports, which is great, but sometimes I've noticed because I've had it for so long and I definitely have dropped it that like, I have to keep pressing a little button for it to charge. So I was like, okay, this is going to still work for a while, but I don't know when it's going to kick the bucket. And one of the things I hate 
is when something that I consider vital to my life kicks the bucket and then I have to go out and find it. So this power bank was right there in front of me. And I was like, well, I could not get it today. Right. And then when I need it, come back and they don't have it. Cause this is TJ Maxx. They don't, they ain't always going to have stuff. That's not how that works. So I was like, well, that, that, that just seems foolish. So I bought the cute little power bank, brought it home, and then realized when I got home that it also has a USB-C port, meaning I can plug in my iPad and charge my iPad. Because my iPad, my fancy iPad Pro from Apple, uh, only both ends are USB-C. Neither end is USB. Um, so I, I literally have only been able to charge it using the brick that it came with right so when I got home and I realized well because I like saw like the little charge port for USB mini and then the USB port and I was like what's this third what's this third little slot and then I'm looking at the packaging I was like wait this is iPad iPad and then I took my USB-C part cord from my iPad and I plugged it in and it worked and I plugged it into iPad and it was charging and I was like oh my god because here's the thing guys when I'm traveling right? Especially with the way things are right now where, you know, flights get delayed and this, that, and the other. Can't always find outlets in airports, especially right now in the summertime. So I love being prepared with a power bank, right? And up until now, I it was like either, you know, make sure the iPad is fully charged and then like if we're in a situation where the iPad is, you know, dying, either find an outlet or just don't touch the iPad. But now, with this cute little power bank, I will be able to charge both my phone and my iPad. And that, friends, that, friends, I am grateful for. Because honestly, I am very much, like, I took a, I took my little jankity power bank, my older one, with me when I went to the museum. Because I was taking pictures. I knew, I knew I was going to take pictures of everything I saw. Because I do that all the time. And I knew that at one point my iPhone was going to be like, excuse me, we're going to die. And so my phone was dying and then I was charging it Then my friend's phone was dying. I was like, girl, I got juice for you. So I am very much someone who will always carry a power bank unless I don't know, I get a lobotomy. I don't fucking know. Like something happens to my personality and it completely changes. Um, because yeah, being out here with a cell phone that's dead, I don't do that. I don't think that's ever happened to me. I, I don't believe in it. It's weird. Um, I'm very much that person who carried around a CD player, a CD Walkman, and at least six batteries when I was a teenager. So if I could carry around all the batteries in my backpack, I will. And this, like, new power bank is, like, a slim, like, think of, like, it's, I want to say it's actually, I want to say it's credit card size. Like, now that I'm looking at it, it's credit card. It's not as slim as a credit card. That's wild. Okay, I lied. It's a little bit bigger than a credit card. Um, and it's probably like maybe an inch thick, but like it is way smaller and sleeker than my old power bank. And I definitely think that um, if I see it at TJ Maxx again, actually, no, for now, I don't need one. So that would be crazy. There's a part of me that's like, I could stock up, but like that doesn't really work with electronics like that because like newer stuff is always coming. Um, but all I'm saying, TJ Maxx. Uh, do I let me see? Does it say the name of the brand on the back? Serena. Serena is the name of the brand. So they've got brightly colored like iPhone cases and um, Apple Watch bands at TJ Maxx from Serena. Um, and then they had this power bank, and I was like, hell yeah! And this is like weird, but I'm gonna say it anyway. It's lilac colored, and I'm really excited for Dermot Kennedy his new album September 23rd which is called Sonder and he dyed his hair basically lilac colored and I'm seeing a lot of lilac colored things in regards oh I forgot I pre-ordered a lilac colored vinyl so I'm really 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 like I it, it felt like it felt serendipitous um so that's the third thing I'm grateful for because I legit was just like cool power bag and then when I got home and realized I can charge both my phone and my iPad like that's that's a game changer. That's a game. I I can also like technically also charge like I got new Anchor headphones, Soundcore ones. Really really nice sound, and those are really mainly for when I'm traveling on a plane. Um, or they'll be really great in the winter time. In the summertime, no, 
my ear gets too warm. Um, but in the summer, in the winter time, it'll be perfect. Uh, but yeah, like USB-C. So I'm just over the moon, over the moon, over the moon. Uh, so yeah, guys, that is what I'm grateful for. Uh, since the last time I said I was grateful for stuff. Um, also thank you all so much for listening. Um, if you have any ideas of what kind of spin off or if, I don't know, you also have really cool power banks you want to talk about and or send me pictures. Uh, my social media handles are in the show notes. On Twitter, I'm at Malesi. And on Instagram, I'm S-E-M-V. They'll both be in there. Uh, so just hit me up and let me know. Like, what 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 other contemporary uh, series would you want to see from Nalini? And, you know, anything else about romance novels. I love talking about them. It brings me so much joy. Um, And I feel like we all need to be out here looking for all the joy that we can find wherever we can find it. Because we deserve it. We all deserve joy. So thank you again for listening. Have a fantastic week. Um, Next episode will probably be drop next Monday there's a part of me that's thinking about dropping it Friday but I don't think that's I feel like I'm being ambitious and I don't think that's gonna happen so it'll probably be next Monday um so yeah tune back in to hear me talk about what (laughs) romance novels duh um and have a fantastic rest of your week thank you bye